0: at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Rafael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching.
1: Hi, I'm Sifu Rafael, and this is the Coaching Call podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash C4Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you.
2: Is that as a business owner, I should know how to market. I should be an accountant. I should do HR. I should, you know, do all this. You shouldn't. You should be what you're great at,
1: right? In today's episode, I'm joined by Yigal Adato. Igal helps business owners across the country implement battle-tested leadership skills into their business and life so they can make more money have less stress, and live that epic life. Yigal, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today?
2: I'm doing great. Honored to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh, it's a pleasure. You're a business coach. Man, everything we do is business. And even relationships too, right? If you think about it. Yeah, yeah.
2: I think that uh, when you say the word business, a lot of people think exchanging money. Mm-hmm. But it's it's so much more than that when you think business. Mm-hmm. For me, business is, there's a responsibility in in being a business owner that you have to your team, to your clients, to the community. Mm -hmm. If you see it in that grand of a scale, then you do business a whole different way.
1: Yeah, I love it. So let's talk about you when you were younger, because I believe that you have decided not only are you a third generation home broker, right? you've seen it you've seen business firsthand how old were you when you were watching your parents or your grandparents or anyone in business
0: yeah
2: i mean i would i would go to my father's store uh when i was young obviously you know three four five years old run around but it wasn't until i was about 15 years old where my dad said hey you want to get a car you want to go to camp you want to you know uh go out with your friends, whatever that is. Right. You've got to come in and make money. So <laughs> the first time I was really serious about business and, and and working was because my father, who had the means to pay for everything, right. thankfully, but he taught us really well that hard work is essential. So he put us to work.
0: Hmm.
2: So uh, 16 years old, I'll never forget it. He said, hey, I want you to come and work. I said, great. I dressed up in a you know, nice shirt, nice pants. Right. I thought I was going to be manager. I thought I was going to be <laughs> some, you know, I was the boss's son. He's going to give me something important. And he uh, he made me clean the bathrooms day one. Hmm. You know, never forget it. He gave me a bucket and, uh, you know, Windex. And he's like, go clean the bathroom. I looked at him, I was like, it's like, this is where you start. You start at the bottom.
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I tried that with my son. It didn't work well. Wow. Yeah. He called his mother because we're divorced. She, He called his mother and he said, Mom, can you come get me? I don't think I'm going to work for Dad. Oh, man. Oh, man. (laughs) But, you know, the the thing is, my other son would have no problem. It's this particular son who expects everything to be given to them, right? And unfortunately, um, most people expect that. And and believe it or not, you expected it too, didn't you? (laughs) I did.
2: Um, I did expect it. I think it's just like a falsehood that if you are the boss's son, the owner's son, that you get special privilege. But my father was just really good at holding the space that absolutely not. Because his father held the space. His father said, you know, I have a business. I'm not giving it to you. You've got to work for it. And he made him work his butt off. And so I remember the second job he gave me. So I cleaned the bathrooms and I came out like, okay, dad. And he says, I'm going to give you the second most important job. And in pawn shops, uh, there's vaults and, my, and there's vaults of people's items inside envelopes that we mm-hmm. store until the people come back. Right. My father's business was pretty big. So he had you know 10,000 envelopes oh, wow. in this vault. And he sat me with a chair and he's like, great, you need to count and make sure that every single one of these is here. And they were, I was there for hours. I mean, it was, it, was,
0: mm-hmm.
2: it was so bad that at one point I walked out and I said, dad, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to do this. Mm. And it wasn't the counting of the envelopes. It was me sitting there for hours, recalling that when my, I was younger, my father, he would work so late. Like I mean, he would work from eight to eight and he wouldn't come home and he'd sometimes have to go to the store at night and he, you know, weekends. And I just, at first I was like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be like you. Mm. So I remember I walked out. I was like, thank you so much. I'm going to go find something else. I, So my second job was at like a salsa store, a (laughs) store that sold like salsas. But uh, it's really interesting because when you fast forward, uh, I got married, had my own business, and I realized I was doing the exact same thing that my father was doing, working eight to eight, working on weekends. And it was so bad that at some point, my wife at seven months of marriage basically said like, hey, I didn't get married to be alone. Mm. Like, go figure this out. And that smacked me in the face. Like everything I didn't want to be. And my father kind of like, so my father my father taught me what to do and what not to do, right?
1: Yeah, right, right.
2: I mean, I was blessed, but I just, I became that, which is what I didn't want to become. Big uh, <laughs> smack of reality. Very, very soon into my seven months of marriage.
1: Wow. But she was right because you were never home, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, we had a nice house, nice car, nice vacations. Uh, I was 40 pounds overweight. Mm. Our sex life was non-existent. Um, I would just work and then come in and watch TV on the couch and fall asleep on the couch. And we were newlyweds. Wow, right? And she was one hundred percent right. She's like, I didn't get married to be alone. And I and I just realized that as a business owner, I had to be. I had to become more than a business owner. I had to become a leader. Mm-hmm. Right. And the first thing I had to do in leadership was tell the truth. And I and I had to tell the truth.
0: Mm.
2: What wasn't working? What's you know? Where am I lying to myself? Where am I lying to her? And that was the start of a journey into not just becoming this, you know, people talk about business owner and entrepreneur, but it was journey into leadership
0: mm-hmm.
2: where I really dove in and I said, and that's when I realized I was like, there's a bigger responsibility than me just bringing money home. I have a responsibility to my family, to my team, and to my community and to my clients. And then how do I maximize that by taking my leadership to the next level?
1: Yeah, you, you to, to, you're talking about time management and also like uh, the family life, self balance, right?
2: Yeah. So uh, it's never balanced. Uh, you, you try to balance, it, but it'll never be balanced. But what's the, what's the point of working so hard if you're not there for your family? Yeah. Like there, there's just no point. I know that I want to provide. And listen, I come from this is firsthand. My father made a great living. He had eleven stores, twelve stores at some point. Mm. 180 employees was doing very, very well. But now that I'm older, I realize, and my father passed away almost two years ago.
1: Mm, Sorry to hear that.
2: Thank you. And I realized that why was my father working so hard? Right? My father was working so hard because he had a crappy marriage. Mm. And the only place that he felt empowered was at work. So instead of working on his marriage, he would just go work on his work. Two, my father worked so hard because he had success, financial success. But I would it would be five o'clock and I would be home and think to myself, like, I don't care what watch my dad has or what car he drives or like what trips he takes. I just wanted his butt home to play. Like what,
0: Yeah.
2: why is this not happening? Like what's, what's going on? You know? And so realizing that and thinking about that, you know, my business coaching is a lot of first leadership. Mm -hmm. Yes. We're going to grow your business. Yes. We'll double your income. And yes, we'll make your systems and processes and, all that type of stuff, but the first question I ask everybody is, "Like, where are you lying to yourself?" Mm-hmm. Right, and so I was gifted and blessed with you know courses and and coaching and therapy and all that type of stuff. And my father wasn't, so I don't blame my father. I'm not angry at him, but I realize that if you don't tell the truth in what's happening in your life, you will never have anything close to balance.
1: Mm.
2: Right, so
1: so you took you took uh, business and a skyrocket, if you will, right. You, you, the evolution of your dad's business compared to your business, how you've changed, and it's, it's, I, I believe, it, it was your mindset that said, you know, I don't, and also your wives, because she's like, you know, I married this guy because I love him, but how can I love him if he's not home, right? And what kind of a life am I gonna have? This is your wife saying. I'm, I'm imagining she's saying to herself, if we're only seven months and we're newlyweds. We're supposed to be like, like dancing every night, basically. And he's asleep on the couch. Yeah. You know, this is not the life she signed up for. And in reality, I don't think it was the life you signed up for, but you thought, hey, if I'm married, things are just going to be great, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think I just kind of like fall in the footsteps. You know, my father, he always talks about uh, I'm going to make more money now so that we can travel later and so I can play with my grandkids later. And, and at the age of 59 years old, he was diagnosed with Parkinson's and dementia. And by 63, he couldn't wipe his own butt. Oh my God. I mean, 63 is young.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm 43, that's that's 20 years away. That, yeah. I mean, that's young, right? And so everyone's always like, oh, it's be- better late than never. No, I'm really sorry. There is a moment in life that better late than never is just too late. Yeah. And so- when I started seeing that and when I had my first daughter, Tali, I have three daughters.
1: Oh, congrats.
2: And when I held, thank you. When I held her in my arms, I was like, things need to really change. I have to be able to build a business that I can scale and grow. And I want to make a lot of money, which all your listeners, I'm hoping want to do the same. I'm, I'm a big believer in, in making money. Um, but two, I want to be there. Yeah. I want to be present. So what's the, what's the point of making profit if you're not present? And then I saw it from my dad. He made a ton of profit, wasn't present. When he wanted to become present, boom, Parkinson's and dementia, caregivers, all of his money went to doctors, therapies, couldn't travel, couldn't go anywhere. He was wealthy. Hmm. My father was. He did well, right? Not multi-multi-millionaire, but, but now he couldn't walk, talk as well, eat as well. What's the point? Yeah. So now, obviously... We don't know what's gonna to happen to us, but we should start building that today. We should start working on that today so we can enjoy as soon as possible.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that because a lot of people they they work their butts off just like your dad did, my dad did. And later on they can't enjoy it. So why not start enjoying it today, right? Yeah. Because you're right, we don't know. I mean, we could die tomorrow. You and I could be dead tomorrow, but if we didn't enjoy today. We have nothing to show for. So I think that, you know, we think of legacy in different ways, right? Your dad thought of legacy of, I'm providing for my family. So in a way, I'm there, but he wasn't. And your legacy is, I'm going to provide for my family, but I'm going to be with them. That's, I think, the difference of where people determine what legacy they want to leave, right? How do you want to be remembered? Because your fond memories of your dad are probably when you went to see him at the store, not necessarily at home. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, my father rarely came to like sporting events. Um, He provided, right. He was a, I mean, he was a great human being. Like my father was kind, generous. He donated money. He helped a lot of people out, but I, I, again, I'm not angry at him. I want like the listeners to understand.
1: No, of course not. Of course not.
2: I learned, I learned something because because of the fact that he didn't take care of his mind. He didn't deal with what needed to be dealt with, maybe his marriage or his partners or, or the business. It took him away and it just it made him numb to what was happening at home because he was getting so much from work. And I understand it. Like, listen, when, when we're at work, I had a team of 68 employees. When you can tell the team, you know, move the stapler from right to left all day long, and they say yes, boss. Right. Right. And hey, I want to change this. Want, yes, sir. Yes, boss. Okay, whatever you need. There's this. It's a power trip. It's right. a, it's a ridiculous power trip that. And when you get home and your wife's like, hey, when are you gonna take out the garbage? You're like, well, damn, I never do that at work. Like, <laughs> yes. So you just want to go to work more, right? Like you just like. And so, and at work, you're making money. So there's this this feeling of accomplishment. And then at home, sometimes. It'll happen with my wife where I'll say something just like stupid or, you know, I I did something dumb. It happens and she looks at me like, for real? Like, let's just go back to work because I get my power from there. I get my, I get like love there. I get, you know,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: my ego, there we go. My ego stroked at work, right? And so, but the truth is I've got to make home better in order to make work better.
1: So you had a, a mind shift, if you will, right? You married seven months. Your wife finally has had enough. Smart woman. Yeah. She says, hey, buddy, what are you doing? Right? We, we got into this together and I'm alone. So what was the mind shift? Of course, you know, you still had your business. You still had to figure things out. How did you make it work?
2: Yeah. So at that, it was a dinner where she sat me down. She was crying. Mm. I asked her three times, why are you crying? She's like, don't worry, eat your dinner. I was like, I can't, like, there's no way I can sit there eating my dinner with tears rolling down your eyes. And, you know, she just said, fine. She mm. said, I didn't get married to be alone. Like, those are the words. I'll never forget it.
0: Mm.
2: And at first I was angry. At first I was like, what do you mean? Look at this house. Look at the car. Look at the trips that we're taking. Look at what we're doing. And she goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. That's stuff. I'm alone.
0: Mm.
2: Right? So I excused myself from the table. I went to the bathroom and I, I was like, kind of like washing my face. I was angry. And I looked at my mirror, I looked in the mirror and I said, you're a liar. Like you're lying to yourself. Hmm. And so the mindset shift was that I was pretending that my home life was okay, that my health was okay, that my work was okay. But in truth, it wasn't. And I was never working towards what I wanted, which was an epic relationship, uh, you know, great, great fitness, you know, being at work and having the processes and the strategies and, and the team so well organized that I could go on vacation without a problem. And so at first it was like the mindset shift was just tell the truth. And so many of us lie and we're not willing to tell the truth because we're afraid of what that truth is. And we're afraid of, I can't do anything about it. If I tell the truth, who's going to judge me? I'm not who I, who I think I am or I say I am. And so we hold on to this this falsehood, this narrative that doesn't really exist. And everybody else sometimes on the outside sees us lying, mm-hmm. but we don't see it. And the more that we lie the more that we lie we're like kind of like pinocchio right like our nose grows bigger and bigger and bigger and now this nose is crashing into things so we're walking into th- you know crashing our marriage and crashing our kids and crashing work and our body and we can't get around mm-hmm. to do what we know that we want to do because we're afraid of telling the truth and that was my mindset shift it's like just tell the truth and so my truth was I'm fat like I'm for like like you look at me now, like on the camera and I'm, and I'm fit, I'm okay. Right. I was 40 pounds heavier, right?
0: Yeah.
2: And I was sluggish. I couldn't like move. I had zero, zero, I mean, zero energy. That's not who my wife married. I became somebody totally different. I vowed something to her that I was lying about, right? And so that, that's the, the biggest thing. When you think about like mindset shift, and if you're listening to this, then the biggest thing is like tell the truth. Like what's, what, where are you today? Where do you want to be? Yeah. And then we can bridge that gap, right? Like I teach my clients the first three rules, we call it the unlock the leader system. And there's three parts of it. And when you think about the three parts, the three parts are essential to business leadership, home leadership, you know, parenting, whatever that is. It's wake up, step up and lead up. And wake up is wake up to the truth Mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself. And we do that by having more clarity, being courageous. So, making systems and having com- courageous conversations and then having commitment to something so clarity courage and commitment and when you start with those three things that's when you can break the mold of just looking in the mirror every single day and asking yourself like the hell's going on why am i doing this the same way day after day
1: i i like the the <laughs> what you said about breaking your vows right because a lot of people do that right they they will go and they'll say all these things because at the moment they're in love, right? Mm-hmm. They're making a promise and all these promises and and the fact that you even thought of like, wow, I broke that promise, that vow to my wife. How do I rectify that? And you know, thank you for sharing that. So let me ask you the hard question. Seven months, you go, you wash your face, and you tell yourself you're lying. How did you go in the next day? And that your mindset is starting to change I don't think it's fully changed, And correct me if I'm wrong it started to change but I, it's it's a process right how did you go from working eight to eight to maybe eight to five how did that happen what did you do that made it effective for you because there's a lot of people who are doing that now and how do they you know they're gonna go you go how do I do it you know so what's what's the the secret that you took upon yourself to make it happen so that you can be there for your marriage.
2: So first and foremost, I sat the next day and I didn't go to the gym at 5. AM. I didn't mm. go home at five. You know, it, 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 let's just, I'm not going to lie to you. It's not going to happen. Right. What I do is I sat there and I thought to myself, okay, what do I want? Where am I today? And let's get really clear on what I want. So I wrote down and we call this, I call this the clarity code. I wrote down like where I'm at today, 40 pounds of weight. Right marriage, no sex life, no connection, work, I'm pretending that things are going better than they should be or better than they are. And then the next, the next kind of column, which was like, what do I want to be? What do I want? And so many times we forget to just pause and think, what is it that I want? And so I knew that I wanted to get healthy, right? I knew that I wanted a better marriage and I knew that I wanted more systems in my business. So then I, the third column, how, how the hell do I do that? Like what, what (laughs) commitments am I, what commitments am I going to make to myself to make that happen? That's the question that you're asking. And everybody's different. You don't have to go down this route, but I'm going to tell you the route that I went down.
1: Please. Thank you.
2: My health, my health. I hired a coach, right? I went to a gym. I hired a coach. I paid money so that if I didn't show up, it would cost me. And when I went there, they would kick my butt. And that's what I needed. Beautiful. I remember the first day uh, I almost puke. It was so bad that my coach, my trainer had to give me a muffin because that's all they had at the gym. He's like, I would never do this, but like right. your sugar's low, you're about right. to puke, like have a, have a bite of this muffin, right? right. Uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. And- uh,
1: That is funny actually.
2: Yeah. Uh, my marriage, I started going to therapy. I needed to work on me because my belief is that leading with baggage is misleading. You cannot lead when, when you have baggage in your mind. So I started going to therapy and taking care of myself. In my business, um, my brother was my partner at the time. We decided that we were going to start looking at uh, business coaches and like how we can improve. Now, some of you who are listening to this might say like, oh, you were very fortunate. Yes, we built a very successful business. So I had the financial means to do this. But I think today it's even easier because you can go to YouTube and watch thousands of workout videos. Right. I just did 75 Hard. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh yeah. 75 Hard, I did uh I finished it in January. Uh it's an app that cost me $5. And I was like working out twice a day, drinking a gallon of water. I mean, the whole thing. It was five bucks a day. It was nothing. Right? Five bucks for the whole app, not even a day. So I just decided to put my money where my mouth is and to say, okay, I'd rather not go on a vacation this year and save that money and invest it in myself because if I go on the vacation, I'm going to have a crappy time with my wife. We're not going to be connected. We're not going to have sex. She's going to hate me. What's the point? So I invested in me.
1: Probably the best decision you made, right?
2: Yeah, 100%. And I can, so I continually do. I can, I continually invest in myself because we're a work in progress. You never wake up one day and you're like, oh, you're the perfect leader. Congratulations. You know, (laughs) my system is called Unlock the Leader because things happen in your life that your leadership gets locked up. And you have to have the right key to unlock the right moment. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, no book, no course, no nothing is going to unlock it.
1: I know, not at all. And it, it definitely, it all starts with you, right? You made the, the right choices where you said, and that, that's why I asked you the, the hard question. Is I know it didn't happen overnight, and, and it took time, and it took an effort uh, specifically on your part, right? Yeah, it's, it's still happening. A lot of people, a lot of leaders, don't do that. You know. It's still happening, to be honest with you.
2: You know that was seven years ago. Uh, No more. Sorry, that was uh, my daughter was seven. It was eleven years ago, Mm. and I'm still working on my leadership. I still hire coaches, and I still train, and I still, I mean, because it's it's an uh, we're we're an ongoing progress, and I've gotten to the next level, and I want to go even more and become a bigger leader and grow my business more and become healthier. So for me, it's just the the pursuit of happiness the pursuit of leadership the pursuit of what's going to get me to the place where i'm having an epic life and building an
1: epic business i like that epic life right yeah but a a real epic life a true one that you're not only and you talked about telling the truth right and and you definitely talked about telling the truth to yourself and i appreciate that because so many people like you did you lied to yourself and so many people still lie to themselves -hmm. Um, it's it's facing those facts that will change us, right? How do you help someone who maybe their their business is okay? And earlier you said we can double your business. How do you help someone who has an okay business, but they really don't don't just want to add, you know, a couple of thousand dollars a month, but they really want to almost double their business? What's the the first steps that besides contacting you, obviously? what's the next steps that, that you would suggest that they do?
2: So I'll tell you a quick story about my client, Scott. Scott uh, came to me. He had a business, two locations, and we started working on the system to grow his business. And I'll be very, very honest with you. When you hire me, when you call me, I'm going to sell you growing your business and I'm going to give you growing your leadership, right? Because a lot of business owners think that they want to grow their business and think that they need more marketing, more strategies. But the truth is, it starts with leadership. So we started growing his leadership. We grew his business. And he went from doing, I think it was like $23,000 a month in net revenue to $130 or something like that net revenue. But what he'll say today is he'll say, it was because I became a better leader, not because I drove in more traffic, not because my systems and processes were better, not because my community or the city knows me more or I became famous or. I had better PR. He will say it was because I became a better leader, and I'll tell you why. I'll teach you marketing. I'll teach you strategy. I'll I'll teach you epic experience for customer service. Mm-hmm. But if your leadership breaks down, all of it breaks down. That's right. So you have to build the core of a business, which is leadership. You as a leader, your your culture, your mission, your vision, values, your team. You know your health, your relationship at home. And if you don't, it's just a band-aid and you'll grow a business and then something else will break or it'll break even harder. And so what we do is we, we teach what's called the profit pillars, leadership, marketing, strategy, customer service. And we do it in that order, leadership, marketing. So we, we build the leader, right. we drive in the traffic, right? Strategy is how can we deal with the traffic? And then how do we give that traffic such great experience? So if you're thinking about like, oh, I need to, I need this new marketing tactic. I need this new, you know, I got to listen to this person, that person. First and foremost, learn how to lead. Because when you lead, you can grow a team, you can grow a culture that will give you the freedom to go home to your kids, to your spouse, to your loved ones, to go work out, to go on vacation, or just to sit and meditate if that's what you want to do, right? But if you don't grow the leadership, you can't grow a team. And you won't be able to grow your business.
1: I saw something on LinkedIn today and it was a post and it showed um, a pack of wolves, right? And it showed in groups, right? They had five in the front and those were the elders. They were slower, not as fast. And behind them were another five. Those were the strong warrior types. And behind them was a group, a larger group, not as strong, not as fierce. And behind them, was another five of strong warrior types. And the final one in the back was the leader, making sure that everything went accordingly, the the middle, the ones that were not as strong were protected by the warriors in the front and the warriors in the back. And everyone was there taking care of the elders. When we talk about leadership, it's about how we lead, right? And, and, and setting up the process of great leadership. You know, I, I have a couple of businesses myself, so I understand exactly where we're coming from, where you're coming from, because without being a leader, I mean, geez, all you could do is just bark orders, right? And I'm talking about wolves, talking about barking, right? <laughs> so imagine if they didn't have that and they could easily be attacked. Can we learn from even the animals that that? They're moving along, but they're doing it in a, in a way that's just brilliant when we think about protecting our employees, right? Because a good leader knows that their employees is what makes the business function, right? So it's it's also like, you know, you reprimand in, in private and, and you boast about them in public. But a lot of leaders think that, hey, you know what? I'm your boss. You got to do this. And they start yelling at people. In front of other people, and now they're diminishing that person who is not gonna want to help them out. Meanwhile, if they treat them well in public, and if there's something they need to talk to them in private, then that's what's gonna show up a, a case of a good leader. Have you read the book uh, EQ 2.0? I have not. No. Oh my gosh! It, it, it exemplifies the types of leaders that are out there. And it, you know, there's one thing that that's about i q right we're all born with a certain type of i q and and that's 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 what was given to us but e q can be something that you can learn it's the way we treat other people and they they have a like a score and and this whole thing and it's the way that leaders can truly make someone be more productive without necessarily beating them over but more like making them part of the team, right? So that's what a, a really good leader has a great team. So I know that you've had businesses, you help people. How important is developing the team?
2: Uh, I think it's second to developing yourself. And, and you, right, we talked about that. I think, I think your team is craving, begging, uh, screaming for you to develop yourself. But when you mentioned developing your team, which is extremely important, I will say this, when you have compassion and you develop your team, they will fall on the sword for you. If you do it correctly, They will take a bullet for you. I remember when we built our business and, and all this happened, I'll give you a great example. Two years ago, my father passed away. I have a team who runs, who helps me run the business coaching business. And uh, they said, you know, boss, like as much time as you need, do what you gotta do. And I was, and I was out for like a month. I hmm. was still running the business. And so developing your team, Let's go back to something. I feel, and I said this in the beginning, it's a responsibility of you as a leader, not just to pay your people, but to progress your people, right? So it's not just about giving them a paycheck. You have it like, they're with you for eight, nine, 10 hours a day. How do we make these people better humans? And when we do that, you're a catalyst to helping their family. Like you're a catalyst to helping their family. So if you develop the person on the team they go home happier. They have happier marriages. They build. They raise happier kids. And then you and I can be on the same mission. My personal mission statement is to build a legion of leaders so that my daughters grow up in a better world. And so, as the business owner, I don't care if you have one person on your team, fifty people on your team, hundred people team. The idea should be like, how do I help develop these people? So we did it at the pawn shop. We said, well, what's the number one thing that we feel that our team is lacking? And we we thought, man. Like financial education, so we got financial universities from Dave Ramsey. We had all these courses for people, uh, and and some people at the end of like eight months, like go, I've never saved money in my life. I've got ten thousand dollars in savings now. Thank you so much. I was finally able to buy a car. Thank you. We were able to go on our first vacation. Like, can you imagine? Oh
1: yeah.
2: The guy who saved ten thousand dollars for the first time in his life, how he feels about me as the person who allowed. Him to do that because I paid for it. We would we gave gym memberships. We helped people uh, lose weight. We helped people um, fix their credit. I mean, we were all about developing our team, and all this because I asked my brother, "Hey, let me do my crazy stuff. You do the wheeling and dealing. Let me work on the culture." He's like, "Sure, just I don't want my sales to go down,
0: right?"
2: <laughs> and uh, but when you develop your team, when you when you think about being responsible to them and how how what you do affects who they are, and I'll and I'll give you an example. If you're a crappy owner, leader, boss, manager, whatever you want to call yourself, every night your team member goes home and complains about you. Mm. Sometimes cries about how crappy of a human being you are. They bring that stress into the house, into their marriage with their kids. You are the catalyst to the crap. If you don't lead, it's that easy. You're the catalyst to the chaos. If you don't lead. And so, you that's the way you have to see it if, if i'm going to bring on a team i have to be the catalyst for good or the catalyst for chaos what are you going to choose it's not in the middle
1: there is no middle nope when, when we think about not only team but we think about so for me my team i feel like they're my family right because if they're hurting then it's going to affect me it's going to forget my business part it's going to affect me because i i once you you're on my team you you, you come into my heart, right? So I, I lead with my heart. Yes. And guess what? Sometimes that's going to get hurt too. And I'm okay with that because I'm trusting that. And you know that I will do whatever it takes to make sure that you're good. Right. And that's, to me, that's leadership because when we think about family and one of the reasons that you changed your whole dynamic was because of your family, right? Because, you know, your, your, Wife said to you, hey, we're a team, right? And you said, wait a minute, <laughs> we are. So, you know, the thing that, and, and I talked to you earlier about my, my son that he didn't want to clean bathrooms, but my other son, who truly took all the lessons that I've taught him on his own, I think he was 20, bought himself a brand new car. He didn't ask me or his mom for a penny. Nice. Did it all on his own. Because early on, I taught him investing. I taught him how to save. I taught him, you know, I I gave him the whole concept of, I gave him four piggy banks, and I opened up four bank accounts for him, and I taught him the concept of, you take some money for savings, you take some money for for investing, you take some money for tithering, you know, for giving away, and then you take some some money for fun. Because, hey, you still have to have fun, right? (laughs) You're not just working to work you have to enjoy life because our tomorrows are never guaranteed, right? So yeah, for me, I I think that when when we think about marriage, we think about family, that should also tie into business, right? And you're fortunate that you're able to work with your brother. Um, I'm one of 12, by the way. Sheesh, amazing. (laughs) I I don't work with any of my family members. I wish I did. I think that we would have a... Heck of a corporation, but it didn't turn out that way. Everybody went the wrong way, you know. But my gosh, can you imagine 12 of us running it?
0: That'd
2: be, that'd be outstanding.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: So I want to go back to something that you said. Sure. And we have to be very, very careful of something. I agree with you. It's my team is my family and the business is the baby. What do I mean by that? If a family member ever came to hurt your baby, you would kick them out in a heartbeat. Of course. You would, you would make sure that they don't get close to that baby. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with your business. Your team is your family. But if any of those family family members are hurting the baby, it is your responsibility and duty to get them out as quickly as possible so they stop hurting the baby. That includes you. What do I mean by that? Sometimes as owners of the business, we are hurting the business the most if we're not working on ourselves consistently and growing. And in the pawn business, we call this the pawn pirate, for example, right? Like you're the pirate. You're you're pillaging and destroying the business thinking that you're doing okay. So just be very weary about that. Like, yes, it's family, but at some point, family's there. You can respect family, but you don't have to let them in the door if they do something horrible and bad. And a lot of business owners, they're afraid to let people go. They're afraid to have the... The bar high because, oh, I can't find people in today's day and age. It's tough to hire and all that type of stuff. But please don't hurt the baby, which is the business.
1: No. Yeah. 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 Look, even with family, we don't, uh, and I know we're talking about different dynamics, but even with family, you don't always sit down to dinner with all of your family, right? Yeah. You know, you have cousins and look, I don't always see my brothers and sisters all the time. And I'm only close to a few of them, right? But it's not my choice, it's their choice, because I'm always open and available. Yep. And th- the whole thing is, maybe we live too far away. But man, with technology, you and I, where are you? I'm in New York, where are you? San Diego. And look at that, we're connecting. Can I tell you, I have not done this with any of my family members. Wow. Except my sister, right? Who she wanted to have an event and she connected us. But otherwise, none of my brothers or sisters reaches out to me and we can see each other any given day (gasps) at any time. (gasps) But so we don't choose our family, right? I didn't choose my brothers and sisters. They didn't choose me either. But we can make it work if we want it, right? So it is a work in progress. And even, even when we're talking about business, sometimes you have clients who are hurting your business. I've fired Clients in the past, because guess what, they were rotten, and I was like, you know what, you're going to spoil everybody else. Yeah. I said no, no, you go now, and I've changed the way I even take clients on now. It's an interview process, and I go, you know, I got to make sure I want to. My time is so valuable. I want to make sure I have time for you. Yeah. And when I do have time for you, it's all of you know. I'm totally investing in that time because. If you're my client and I am not happy to be in the room with you, there's a problem. And I don't want that. No. It, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for you either, right?
2: Yeah. And it's the same thing with your team. I mean, you yeah. spend exactly sometimes more time with your team than you do with your family mm-hmm. because you're at work eight, nine, 10 hours a day. You go home, you go to sleep. So you, you see them a lot. So right. why deal with mediocrity? Why allow somebody that you don't like there or somebody who's not going to help? grow the company with you and for you because of some fear. Right. So yeah, like you said, developing the team is, is crucial. Just don't be afraid to let go of those who don't want to develop themselves.
1: Yeah, There's so many facets we can talk about on business, aren't there?
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: You walked away when you were 15 years old and you told your dad, I'm out. This is not for me, right? Yep. How did you come back to getting into the business?
2: funny story so i went on to be a rock star i was on tour
1: what nice
2: yeah so i was in high i was in high school and got in a band and uh we opened up for woodstock 99 and opened up for uh, bands like blink 182 and weezer and no doubt and wow i was having a blast groupies and you know cds and music i mean it was amazing wow but uh I was kind of broke, you know, I was having a good time, but the music industry was, was tough to get into at the time. Right. And so we were at dinner one night and my brother said, Hey, i um, I opened up a pawn shop. He opened up his own and he's like, can you just come help me with like the accounting? I'm just having trouble. So sure. So I started working one day a week and then two and then three, and then seven days a week, 14 hours a day. <laughs> and uh, he was kind enough and said, listen, I'll give you half the business. Let's do this together. So we grew the business. We were doing, you know, $5 million a year at some point. And, uh, and I learned a lot. It gave me a lot because I learned how to deal with customers and marketing and accounting and legal and HR. And I learned all of it, all aspects of the business, strategy and hmm. technology. And so when I coach business owners, I can see all of the aspects, not just the leadership aspect. We can talk about the marketing. I can talk about creating content and finding your avatar. And I can
1: talk about metrics and customer experience and, because I did it all. Right. When, when we talk about pawn shops, right? Uh, uh, you, you know, you, you come to that realization of, is it only people who are in dire straits that need money that I go to pawn shop? Hel- help educate us here, right? Because I've never taken anything to a pawn shop myself. I've yeah. passed by them. I even tried to go to the famous one in Vegas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but the line was so long. I was like, you know what? I'm not going to wait in line just to look around. Yeah. I said, so I didn't even go in, but educate us if you don't mind. And the aspects of why does somebody go to a pawn shop? And, and obviously, you understand the business because your dad was in it. He was successful in it. Educate us a little bit if you don't mind.
0: I'd probably say that 70 to
2: 80% of the population in the United States lives paycheck to paycheck. And what it means to need money is somebody who doesn't have credit. They were driving to work and their tire popped and they need 200 bucks for a new tire and they don't get their paycheck for that week and a half. So a lot of blue collar workers, a lot of single moms who need diapers and formula, a lot of people who need to pay bills. So it's the everyday American who, who needs, who needs money and we don't see it. I mean, I was, I was blessed you know, my father worked really hard. Um, but then again, you know, I remember in 2008, 2009, we had business owners and it's going to happen again uh, with the recession that is coming. Uh, and the, the reason why I say that it is coming and it is here, it's, going to, it's going to stay for a bit is because in the pawn industry, we see this before anybody else does. Because as loans start skyrocketing, we understand that something's happening to the economy. We were doing $50,000 loans to business owners who couldn't cut payroll. Wow. People bring in their Rolexes, five carat diamonds, uh, you know, just... And so we had... now we had... Politicians, we had bankers, we had uh, real estate agents, we had business owners needing money. Hmm. And so I think that every, everybody needs money at some point, right? Like, for example, if you buy a house, most people don't buy it in cash. They go to the begging to get a loan. You just pawned your house.
1: Yeah, oh, there you go. Okay.
2: You go buy a car, you need to get a loan. Hmm. Guess what you just did? You pawned your car, right? So people think that they're not, well, I've never walked into a pawn shop. You're just doing it every single day. It's just not called pawn. It's how do I trade collateral for cash? And that's what you're doing, right? Whether you drive the car around, whether it's a diamond ring or or a Rolex or whatever that is, we've had real estate investors come in and get $100,000 because they've got to get a deal, right? They got to flip a deal. They need the money. Here's my Rolex, my ring, my whatever it is. Give me $100,000. They come back two weeks later, pay some interest on it, and then that's it. Mm. So a lot of people pawn without even knowing it. It's what you're doing.
1: So credit cards, basically, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Right. See, I mean, you, you, don't
2: have, you don't have collateral on the credit cards, but right. a lot of other things that you're, you're giving, your, your home, your car, um, real estate investments, essentially pawning is what you're doing.
1: Mm. See, a lesson I didn't know. Thank you for teaching me. I appreciate it. Yeah. So, so the pawn shop takes in
2: right. everything. We take in tools, game systems, and who else is going to lend somebody $25? And so you have all these politicians trying to crack down on pawn, yet they're making the economy horrible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so people now that, for example, house, I don't know about New York, but housing in California is just ridiculous. Food is ridiculous. Gas is ridiculous. How does somebody get 25 bucks? They go to the pawn
1: shop. They bring their Nintendo or whatever, PS4, right?
2: Yeah. Oh. Whatever they have at home. Huh. I mean, two years ago, when, when the government started handing out cash to everybody, people wanted to go buy stuff. And so now that they're going to need money, they're going to pawn their stuff. And just, just to let everybody know, the national average of stolen items in a pawn shop are 1% of 1%. And then in California, because I can only speak for California, the average statewide of people coming back for their items is 92%. And it's the only way to get money that's non-recourse. So it never hits your credit. So if you, if you lose the item, you don't get the item back, you don't pay for it, your credit's not affected.
1: Look at that. Yeah. Lessons in business, different type of business, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like the fact that obviously you're very good at, at your business because you know the statistics, right? The numbers, the numbers never lie, yep. right? Being that I just said that, how important is it for everyone to know their stats? Oh, man, it's,
2: it's, uh, I was on a call the other day with with a business owner who who called me for coaching and I asked him just, you know, no judgment on a scale of one to 10. How well do you know your numbers? He said four? Hmm. So how long have you been in business at 25 years?
0: Hmm.
2: So I don't know if you're making money. He goes, just if money's in the till, like like if it's in the bank, I don't, I don't strategically look at my numbers. You can make or break your business knowing your numbers. I mean, it's, it's crucial. Here's another great example. I've had business owners who say like, I stopped my marketing. So ask the question, great, what's your average customer value? I don't know.
1: They don't even know, right?
2: What's your customer acquisition cost? I don't know. So then we do all the math, and I said, Great, your your cost your cost to acquire a customer is $25. And every customer that you acquire spends $250. So for every $25, you make $250. Why are you stopping your marketing?
1: All day long, you should be marketing. <laughs> right?
2: And so they're like, I never saw it that way, right? And so when you know your numbers. You can make moves quicker. You can pivot quickly. You can make decisions quicker. If you're making decisions without looking at your numbers, you're just hoping. You're not making decisions. You're not making st- strategic choices. You're just making hopes and wishes and wants. That's how important
1: You can also know where the loopholes are, where, where the, the, the bad investments are or the bad choices are, or yeah. why am I sitting on all this merchandise when I didn't need you know, $200,000 worth of this product I could have easily done with $100,000. How are you sitting on it?
2: Well, in the, in the biggest misconception is that as a business owner, I should know how to market. I should be an accountant. I should do HR. I should, you know, be, do all this. You shouldn't. You should be what you're great at, yeah. right? What type of business? Give me one of the businesses that you own. Um, if you martial arts business. Martial arts, right? right? As, hence the name Sifu. <laughs> uh, hence, Hence, you know, you should be, Great at teaching or growing your martial arts school go find a bookkeeper for three hundred bucks to do the bookkeeping so that they do it better than you do oh, yeah. right go get a payroll company do the payroll go get an HR and, and today you mentioned technology mm-hmm. you can find a bookkeeper for two or three hundred dollars a month you can find an HR company for hundred bucks a month payroll you know go to gusto.com they can do it for you okay. and just focus on what you do best but all these owners are trying to do so many things. Because they think, oh, it's going to cost me money. No, it's costing you more money to do it wrong than it would if you hired somebody to do it right. And,
1: and, and that's that's what a great leader is, right? They know they know their strengths, they know their weaknesses, right? And, and you only re- yep. you should work on your strengths. Of course, you're always trying to improve on your weaknesses. And you know, one of the things that I learned early on with my accountant, who gave me really bad advice. Is that I did not know accounting, right? And it cost me. It cost me a lot of money in the tone of $240,000. But here's the thing. Now I'm privy to it. So now I know. And my current accountant was actually a client. And he always gave me advice. And I was like, hey, I have this question. He goes, oh, yeah, your accountant will take care of that. And I'm like, my accountant didn't. So one day when I went looking for an account, I went somewhere and I was recommended by this guy who's supposedly great. I walk in, literally, got like a ton of people in his office. I'm like, okay. But the mess in his office, there was literally, you know how high a desk is? There was piles and piles of paper under every desk. And I'm like, whoa, where's your filing system? And I'm like, oh my gosh. I said, I walked, I said, he goes, oh yeah, you, you, know, you were recommended. We can definitely take your account. I'm like, you know what? Let me get back to you. So I went outside and I go, man, how scared was I? I was terrified. I'm like, there is no way I'm going with that guy. And then I said, oh, wait a minute. I know my friend. He's my client. And he's always given me really good advice. He even did something for me that my client said it would cost. I mean, my my accountant has said it's going to cost me like $350. And I said, hey, Mike, you know, what do you think this should cost? He goes, "Uh, nothing. I go, really? He goes, yeah. I said, He goes, I can do that for you right now. I'm like, really? And he did it. And I forgot about it. You know, I thanked him the whole deal. And I said, wait a minute. This is the guy I need to call. He's been my accountant for like, oh, almost like 15 years now. But he calls me all the time. And whenever I call him, he picks up, hi, Raphael. Nice. And it's that relationship that has saved me thousands and thousands upon thousands. And he rectified all my previous problems. Nice with my previous accountants nice but it's it's that no you know and like I said I don't know accounting but I needed to get deeper into I needed to have an understand I don't need to be an accountant but I need to understand what is going on and when something when when he says hey we have to do this I ask him questions yeah I don't take it for his word anymore and he knows me now and I go why what's going on he goes well because it's so now I ask questions and Asking questions is what's helped me not only have a better control of my business, but if I bring anybody and even a marketing person, why are we doing this? Yeah, you should know. How are we doing this? So the questions, right? Do you agree with that? That we should know what's going on in our business at all times?
2: Yep. I teach all my owners, you know, how to build their culture, the back ends of marketing, the back ends of metrics, the back ends of all that type of stuff. So that when they go higher, they can ask questions. We had a client. Was paying a marketing company $6,000 a month. And the marketing company would just say, Yeah, well, it's working, it's working. And then when we looked into it, I was like, It's not working. It's right. <laughs> 6K. That's a lot of money. Hmm. Should be much bigger value being given here. And he looked at me he's like, I had no idea. Like, I, I, so I don't know what this means. And so a lot of business owners don't, we don't, we don't go to business school. Hmm. Right? We, we just open our passion. Right. You open up a martial arts academy. We do what we love. And we're not top business. Right. And so, my goal in this whole thing is to do two things, is to make you an epic small business owner while you become a, an incredible leader. And if you become both, life is awesome. Oh, yeah. Business is awesome, right? But you can't just do what you love without studying and getting to know what needs to the foundational stuff so that you can not have to do it, but just hold people accountable to getting it done and doing it right.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, everybody needs a coach. Look. You could be like, I've been doing martial arts for forty-seven years. That doesn't mean I knew business for forty-seven years, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I you know, I own a wood shop. I do a coaching business. The, the whole different thing. But every one of those, you still need advice from coaches. You need advice and guidance from everyone. So thank you for talking about even the fact that you went and got a business coach with your brother. So of course, you know. The thing is that, and the reason I do this coaching call podcast is because of that. Because, you know, during the pandemic, you and I and everybody else was getting a thousand emails or phone calls from all these coaches. I call them coaches as roaches because they popped out of the woodwork and they had no real experience. So for me, if I'm going to learn from someone, they better have done it. They better have experience. They have better have something to show for it. And so, you know, that's why I'm happy to be talking to you today because you, you know, you, you, you were in the trenches, right? And and this is the kind of coach that most people want. They want somebody who's done it, who has a proven track record like you do. But not only are you, we talking about, you know, the business that you're running, but you, we spoke about something that you're passionately doing as well. Let's talk about that for a minute, if you don't mind. Sure. You're doing podcasting. Yeah. I love it. Let's talk about it.
2: A very, very smart mentor of mine told me five years ago, he said, he got a podcast and I did. And it was the best thing mm-hmm. I ever, best. I mean, I went to see in my coaching business after I sold my pawn shops, I went to six figures within six months because of the podcast. Mm-hmm. I niched down. I have a, I have a podcast for, for pawn shops. I have a podcast for Jewish men. I'm creating a third podcast uh, in the next couple of weeks.
0: Nice.
2: I love connecting with people. I love talking with people. I love Interviewing, I love the medium that I can go for a run and listen to you and me speak. Oh yeah. I don't have to watch anything, right? Yeah. And uh I also love to learn. I think that, you know, when I go on these podcasts, like if you're interviewing me, I go over my information. Right. What's up here? If I'm interviewing somebody, I learn something new every single time. So podcasting for me is, has been incredible. It's been a wild ride. I don't know if you do video of this, but like you know, I've got a I do the whole studio set up professionally and, and i started with a, a 60 dollar microphone and a 70 dollar logitech camera mm. um so if you want a podcast just start uh you know don't and I, I wouldn't even edit
1: <laughs>
2: rafael i would just go like L-. okay go it's whatever happened
1: whatever happens happens right it's rock on right
2: yeah rock so <laughs> um but i love it. i love creating content i love connecting with people mm-hmm. i love giving value and it's all of what the podcast does
1: oh yeah you know that that's exactly what. And for me, it's become addictive, right? So yep. I don't even. To I'm probably one of the few people out there that doesn't make money on podcasting. Mm-hmm. I do it for connections. Yeah. So I have zero commercials on my shows. Zero. Yep. Same and with me. People are like you're so dumb. I'm like, well, you do it your way. I'm gonna do it my way. This is my show, right? Yeah. And for me, it's the connections. Like you and I, I feel like we connected today and i'd like to keep that connection going yeah the other thing that that's important for me is that once you make a connection you don't know how that connection can fit into your future right and and i'm sure you're doing that because you grew your your coaching with and likewise with your podcasting right mm-hmm. because people say wow i like what he's saying and and i'm i'm encouraging all my my audience my listeners to go ahead and find you. So let's, let's go ahead and give them the preview to that information. How did my audience find you? What website or, or even, even give us the names of, of your, your podcast so they can listen?
2: Yeah. The, the easiest way to find me, because my name is not easy to remember as you're listening to a podcast, is just go to unlocktheleader.com. Hmm. And uh, I got a free gift for your listeners there. Nice. Unlocktheleader.com. And uh, I'm also on social media at igaladato, Y-I-G-A-L-A-D-A-T-O. There's not two of me out there. <laughs> um, so you know, Instagram, LinkedIn, anywhere you want to follow me. I always love to connect with people. Shoot me a DM that you listen to this podcast. And anyway, I can help. I mean, my my goal is to be able to help You know, business owners unlock more profit, unlock more time so they're present at home. Yeah. And so if I can help in any way, I'm here to serve.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Listen, I think that, you know, I think that we should do like uh like fifty more of these shows, you and I. <laughs>
2: let's do it. Yeah. If you if you want, you know, I'd I'd love to jump on your show if you want to book another one. And what we'll do is we can talk about each of the profit pillars. Let's jump into leadership. Let's jump into marketing.
1: Yeah, let's do that.
2: Let's jump into, you know, metrics and and those types of things and we'll deep dive into those those subjects for your audience.
1: Yeah, yeah. But also for anybody who is going to become a client of yours, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. Here's, here's the thing that I, I love about connecting with with like-minded people. It, it's the mindset, right? It's, it's the way we think outside of the box. Because so many of us have been told to, you got to do things only this way, only this way. Well, you can only advertise this way. This is the only way. But everybody's wearing a gray suit. Yep, wear a gray suit too. No, I want to wear a nice colorful one. Or maybe I want to be jumping instead of standing, right? So it's it's that thing that differentiates us that's going to make us stand out in marketing, yep. in business, in in life, right? Hundred
2: percent. You got to make noise. Yeah. You Got to beat the drum. That's what I always say. Yeah. There's so much happening to you that. If you don't beat the drum, no one's going to hear you.
1: That's right. Miguel, thank you so much for today. I really appreciate you, my friend. My pleasure. It's been an honor. Yes, likewise. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.